This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Shai Machnes. He's the co-founder and chief executive officer of Cruise. Shai leads the software side of OpenSuperQ, which was an EU quantum flagship project focused on creating a 100-qubit quantum computer. This project ended last year with the creation of several small quantum computers, and phase two is now underway. His team at Cruise is developing machine learning techniques to better understand and control quantum computers and other quantum technologies. Shai's stated goal is to come as close as possible to becoming an AI physicist with software that collaborates with human physicists to explore the universe around it. His company, Cruise, is developing machine learning for science as a productized tool set, making ML-driven discovery accessible to all. They're starting with a junior quantum control physicist, similar to the capabilities of, say, a second-year PhD student, and growing it from there. Cruise is a virtual company with 16 employees and no offices. They meet once a month in varying locations to brainstorm and plan the next sprint. Welcome, Shai, and thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, Shai, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guest to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. And my objective is twofold. Certainly, I want to give our audience a sense of what you did before you co-founded Cruise, but also to orient our listeners more broadly to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So if you could please share with our listeners a bit about your background and your path so far, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, and insight into any companies or organizations where you worked or conducted research. So I was born in Israel, grew up here. And then for, you know, like everybody here, I served in the army for a few years, in the Navy in my case, and then went into the software industry. And I did software full time for about something like 15 years. Uh, but slowly I kind of grew tired of it. Uh, I mean, I was looking for something more interesting. Um, and as a child, I always loved physics. So I decided to go into physics. And I did my undergrad and my graduate studies uh, in Tel Aviv University. And that brought me almost happenstance into uh, control of quantum systems. And that I started with problems such as how do you cool trapped ions very quickly? Or how do you cool nanomechanical systems? And then from there, that led into control of quantum systems that are used to uh, implement quantum computers. And I've been doing that for the last uh, decade. And as the kind of the ecosystem around quantum computation started growing, it made sense to uh, take this outside academia because there are things, uh, there are flexibilities that you have when you build a company that you don't have as a research group. Um, for example, it's very easy for us to bring together programmers and machine learning experts and physicists. And, you know, that's a lot easier to do outside than when you're sitting inside the faculty of physics at right. the university. 
Uh, and thank you for sharing that. Segways, how did you come to start Cruise? So was was there a seminal moment that led you to sort of make the shift from academia, decide to start a company, maybe an aha moment in the lab or a conversation with a colleague? There wasn't a single aha moment. It just, it was kind of in the back of our heads. So we were several people doing research into the field, myself and uh, uh, Professor Frank Wilhelm Mauch, uh, uh, Professor Tommaso Calaco and, uh, and Professor Simone Montangero. And this was kind of in the back of our minds to, you know, that it may make sense to spin off a company at some point. And then basically during COVID, uh, we saw that there are a lot of new startups in the field trying to build hardware. And as an academic group, we can't collaborate with all of them. There's just too much work to do. And then it made sense to to spin off a company uh, to do that. Huh. So I read that your company's primary offering is the the Cruise Toolkit. And I read that it improves control of the current status, right? Current noisy intermediate scale quantum computers, NISC devices, as we say, by using machine learning and quantum optimal control. Can you tell my listeners how you've applied machine learning in this unique setting to develop the toolkit? So I think first we need to kind of realize where the problems are in quantum computing at the moment. Um, in many respects, what everybody's building right now are engineering prototypes for quantum computers in the sense that these devices aren't really very useful as computation devices yet. Their main use is to teach us how to build better quantum computers hopefully eventually we'll get to the scale and quality that will become actually useful for computation. And we've seen over the last few years that the number of qubits has been growing and growing, but what hasn't been improving uh, or keeping up with the number of qubits is the accuracy with which we're doing quantum operations. Um, so if you look at, let's say, multi-qubit devices, uh, specifically if we look at superconducting qubits, we're kind of stuck around somewhere around a half percent, quarter percent error for every entangling operation. And that means that, you know, if even if you have 100 qubits, you can't really do anything interesting with it because after a few hundred operations, all you have is basically noise, and that's not very useful. So just to give a specific example, uh, the uh, quantum supremacy result from Google in late uh, 2019, uh, they ran the experiment 30 million times, right? They took what's known as 30 million shots, and 99.8 of those were noise, and only 0.2% were actually good data, and But because they took so many repetitions of the experiment, they had enough to prove the statistics they're trying to, to prove. Uh, and, you know, Google were very, very upfront about it. I mean, it appears explicitly in the paper, but sometimes people kind of gloss over these details. But as part of the community trying to build these devices, this is really, really important stuff. Okay, so... So we have these error rates, and they're not really improving very quickly. Right. And now the question is why? Uh, the reason is that 
we don't really understand the sources for these errors. We have some guesses, but we don't have a really in-depth understanding. The reason we don't have an in-depth understanding is that, you know, these are really, really complicated devices. And if I want to build a physics model of exactly what's going on, I'll need to measure dozens and dozens of parameters per qubit. This is a huge amount of work, and basically almost nobody can can manage to do it. And the idea is if we apply machine learning methods to the problem of understanding exactly, but I'm talking, you know, four decimal places, what's going on inside the quantum computer, we can then create a very accurate digital twin of what's going on inside. And then we can start playing around with the digital twin to understand which of, you know, the multiple noise sources or, you know, unwanted phenomena are actually the limiting factor. So our hope is that by bringing in machine learning into the work of creating quantum computers, we'll be able to pinpoint the root causes of these kind of annoying lingering error rates and therefore push. And then you have you have actionable information. What do you need to focus on in the next iteration of hardware in order to make everything work well? Because right now we're kind of in the dark a little bit. Yeah, yeah, early days for sure. So I read that you also offer a solution called Cruise OS, and it's described as providing a vertically integrated quantum software stack on top of low-level control electronics drivers. A compelling aspect is it uh, can be provided by OEMs or even developed in-house, say, by quantum hardware manufacturers and even researchers. Can you describe Cruise OS in a bit more detail? You know, when you're a development lab building a quantum computer, what you really, really have is a physics experiment, right? So um, you have a whole stack of control electronics, and then depending on the on the specifics of the hardware, you may have a vacuum chamber or dilution refrigerator or whatnot. But this initially behaves more like a physics experiment than, than a computer. And ideally, what you would like to have is you, you would like to have an interface to it that's uh, similar to, for example, what you get with the IBM uh, Q, the, the commercial cloud that they offer. And we created the software that on one hand connects to the hardware and on the other build kind of sets up the entire stack so that internally it behaves exactly like an IBM Q cloud machine. So yeah, you can send it jobs and you get back the results. And, and this is very, very useful internally in the lab because multiple people can do multiple things, you know, send jobs to the computer to be evaluated. And then there is a queue of, of, of jobs to be uh, processed and everybody gets their results back. Uh, and beyond that, we also take care of, um, th there's this uh, really, really annoying uh, attribute of qubits that the parameters, uh, you know, the, the details of the qubits um, tend to drift over time scale of hours so that you need to recalibrate the gates and uh, every every day or so. And we have another approach where we do it continuously 
um, essentially uh, keeping the machine always available and always working at the best fidelity that's uh, possible given the hardware. So this is the, is this the Kiskit private quantum cloud? Yeah, leveraging exactly. IBM. And, and, the, and the Cruise OS is that plus the, the job queue plus the recalibration. Um, and then based on the recalibration data, you can also have an ongoing um, characterization of the system so that you, you can then, the physicist can then look and see which, which physical parameters in the, in the system drifted. Whether it's the qubit frequency, if you're talking superconducting qubits, or maybe it's, I don't know, the trapping magnetic fields, if it's uh, uh, trapped ions or whatever. Um, is it working with other, other qubit modalities as well as the IBM superconducting? Oh, oh yeah, no, no. So, so the, the interface is a Kiskit interface like the IBM cloud, but the underlying hardware can be, you know, Anything, Rydberg atoms, trapped ions, um, you know, um, quantum dots in silicon. We, you know, we don't have a preference in that respect. Great, that's very exciting. So let's talk about machine learning for science. This um, idea that you're putting together capabilities that will allow—I think it was described as people to use ML without understanding necessarily what's under the hood, right? Um, can you share Cruz's vision in that direction? Like, what, where are you currently applying this methodology um, to, say, quantum-related applications? I think, the, first, like a very basic observation, uh, machine learning is going to transform how, um, you know, physics-based R&D is done, the same way it's going to transform almost every human endeavor. But physicists and machine learning uh, experts, these are different, uh, you know, specializations. And what physicists, physicists don't really want to learn machine learn, uh, uh, you know, uh, don't want to learn machine learning. They want to use it, right? right. Um, the same way that, you know, for us, numerics of how to solve differential equations, that's a tool, right? The, mo most of us don't really care about the details as long as it's done really quick and really accurately. Yeah. Uh, so the same way, the, there is the need for somebody to um, essentially build the right machine learning algorithms and package them and make them kind of readily available as everyday tools in the lab. Right now, when people utilize machine learning in a physics lab, most often they write a paper about it because it's interesting. We want machine learning in the lab to become boring. <laughs> right? Like part yeah. of your everyday everyday tool set, right? Um, the same way that you don't bother how to, I don't know, exponentiate the matrix, right? Somebody wrote it, it's somewhere in SciPy or MATLAB or whatever, and you do it. Although, you know, in the past, people wrote PhD theses on this. Uh, so the same way we want to bring machine learning down to the level of everyday tool everybody uses. And like all new tools, it'll give us a lot of uh, a power to handle a lot more complex cases. And building quantum computers is one of them. We're That's also looking, for example, at MRI. And MRI is interesting because it is a quantum technology, right? The, for the, the physics of MRI, what's actually going on is completely the same 
Schrodinger equations, the same type of phenomena that we're looking at, at, I don't know, trapped ions, for example. Yeah. So to your point, you know, let's talk about how it's being applied. Um, in preparing for our conversation, looked on your homepage, there's an impressive list of partners from both industry and academia who are using the Cruise toolkit. Um, can you tell me a little bit about these collaborations and maybe how organizations are using your solution? So in terms of commercial partners, I don't quite have the permission to talk. Yeah, understood. Um, but um, with regard to, let's say, academic collaborations, I can be a lot uh, freer. So, um, for example, the um, there is a big German uh, uh, quantum computing project called QSolid, uh, centered around the Ulich Research Center, and there are uh, you know several um, small quantum computers already there, and our software is connected to that, and we can use it to bring up the the device, meaning. You know, you take a new chip, you cool it down, then you need to characterize it, you need to calibrate all the gates, etc., etc. This is all being used. And the idea is that we will work throughout the project hand-in-hand hand with the uh, experimentalists and physicists building the iterative generations, you know, better and better qubits and more and more qubits um, so that, you know, from the moment they cook, they they wire in a chip and cool it down until everything is well characterized and working as good as it can, it should be a matter of a day or two. Where today, the normal way of doing things, this can be weeks or months. Yeah. So again, I don't want to press you to violate any confidentiality or NDAs, but could you speak, you know, more broadly about, um, say, private sector? Uh, partners that are using your technology, you know, white label or anonymize? You know, th there are many, many startups uh, around the world trying to build quantum computation devices, quantum, simula quantum simulators, etc. Uh, so, um, you know, our partners include uh, people working on quantum simulators with Rydberg atoms, uh, Envy centers, which are typically used for, um, you know, quantum sensing, but can also be used for quantum computation and others. But I'm, I'm really here. I need to be very careful. Yeah, no, I understand. I just wanted to press you because, you know, our listeners are always interested in how it's being applied in the real world today. So that's so thank you for, for sharing that. I want to shift to a topic that's near and dear to my heart as a sort of nonlinear multimodal careerist. I want to get your take on, challenges of a company like Cruise in finding talent. So um, how do you go about recruiting for your company? Do you have affiliations with universities? Um, and the attendant question is, are there roles in specific disciplines that are harder to fill than others? Right. So, you know, with, uh, unlike a lot of quantum companies that are quantum hardware companies, we are a software company. And that gives us the luxury of being a distributed team, right? An experimentalist team needs to be at the lab, um, but we don't. And that means that I can recruit people from essentially all over Europe. So there are criteria is Europe time zone plus minus one. So, you know, UK and Ireland all the way to, let's say, Israel. 
and, and therefore we have a much larger catchment basis. And, and that for us makes recruitment a whole lot easier because we're not looking within, you know, 100 kilometers or 100 miles of any given city. Right. And are, uh, are, are there roles that, um, you know, like what are open recs now, just out of curiosity? We've grown really, really quickly from the first employee in March of uh, 2022 to 16 people today. So we're taking a bit of a breather in terms of recruitment uh, just to make sure that, you know, we, we learn how to work together as a team at this size. Yeah, uh, We're seeing a lot of companies that, you know, growing very fast is actually very easy. Um, you know, recruiting uh, more and more people is, is comparatively easy, uh, but keeping the organization very efficient and productive that's much harder. Um, and so we want to be careful not to kind of grow very fast and as a result, reduce our total output. Yeah. So, you know, we're still looking for, for kind of really exceptional candidates, both in quantum control, um, machine learning for science, uh, people that have been looking at the uh, what's known as the inverse problem, meaning reconstructing how a system works from, you know, experiments you can do relatively on the outside of this. Um, but right now we're kind of not going out and actively looking. Uh, we will again probably in three months or so once we've set settled into our current size. Thank you for sharing that perspective. Uh, I'd like to end the podcast by asking my guests to share their personal vision. So I want to get your take based on where you sit as the founder of this innovative company, how you think, say, machine learning will transform certainly scientific R&D in general, and then quantum specifically, and how crew intends to be at the forefront of this kind of transformation. I'll say it like this. I'm not sure that in 20 years humans are going to be the smartest thing on this planet. Um, I think we still have, you know, we, we have maybe tw 10, 20 years, maybe 30, where humans will be the drivers behind science. And then I'm afraid we'll probably have to take the back seat. But, uh, you know, it's kind of, with machine learning, my feeling is a little bit, you either get on the bus or you get run over by it. And uh, so, you know, we're trying to drive the bus. But uh, it's a little bit like speed. You can't really stop. You, you can only turn the wheel, but you can't really stop. Yeah. I think that's a great perspective. So, Shai, thank you very much for sharing your perspective. I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. I want to point listeners to the company website, cruise.com. Q-R-U-I-S-E. Um, I noticed you're on social media. You have both a personal and a company Twitter handle at uh, shy underscore Machnes and at Cruz underscore AI. And I also want to mention that you have a great YouTube uh, video, a TEDx that you did. And I encourage listeners to check that out. I found it very informative and uh, entertaining. So thanks for your time. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you in the future. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Shai, for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for listening. 
please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Shai. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already, and please connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.